What's up, rockers? Welcome to another episode of the Talk Louder podcast, where we geek out on all things rock and roll. Hit that subscribe button on our YouTube channel. Leave us your likes and comments. You can also leave likes and comments on our Facebook page. Follow us on iTunes, Spotify, Instagram, and our website, talklouderpodcast.com, where you'll find links to our merch and all of our previous episodes. I'm Metal Dave, along with my co-host, Jason McMaster. And today we are joined by L.A. Guns guitarist Ace Von Johnson, who uh, just got back from a video shoot. L.A. Guns has a new album coming out in April. It's called Black Diamonds. Uh, they recently shot two videos, one for a song called Shattered Glass, and the other, title I track. think, title is track. the title track. Yeah. So not sure when they'll be coming out, but the videos are in the can, so I would expect to see them sooner than later. You can keep an eye out for that. New album coming in April, a tour to follow. Of course, Ace was previously in Faster Pussycat. He's got a vast punk rock background. We get into all that today on the show. And uh, man, he was a lot of fun to talk to. I, I love this guy. Um, inadvertently, we have been shoved into uh, shuttle vans and cruise buffet lines. And uh, <laughs> I've stood next to Ace Von Johnson a hundred times and you know we're not close or anything but it's like hey dude you know so it was just cool to kind of meet the man you know yeah yeah so. and, and he's a total nerd just like us and, yeah. and more than just music he's a horror movie freak uh, he's a pit bull advocate uh vast musical knowledge uh so we just had a great time geeking out with him today for sure yeah he was he was awesome and uh it's interesting. We didn't talk about his guitar collection. You know, he has one. Yeah, that's the thing. He's, kind of... he's a nerd, so he's he's. You know, he has what he has two guitars. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's gonna be. So we need to do a part two with this guy. I I I think that uh, he has a lot more to say. Yeah, and that that was the beauty of it. I think we we touched on uh, a lot of current events and music and timely news related to L.A. Guns, but we were sort of off and running, and things like that just you know disappeared in the conversation. So, uh, yeah, hopefully we'll have him back at some point. He was a great guest, lots to talk about, and we didn't even scratch the surface. I don't think, but uh, we'll bring him in and Ace Von Johnson today on the Talk Louder podcast. <laughs> Hey. I got a name. What's up? There he is, man. What's I'm up, Ace? I remember down the highway. Got that Ace Von Johnson passing by. What's up, Dave? What's up, Jason? How are you guys? Good, man. How are you? How are the dogs? They're good. They're inherently going to be a distraction at some point during this, so I apologize in advance. Well, we we welcome that. We've had pets on the show plenty of times. Cats walking across desktops and <laughs> climbing over shoulders, and we've had kids come in and out of you know episodes. So we're used to it. No big deal. Thanks I'll for joining that. us, man. Yeah, yeah dog, man. Dog, dog bones and sippy cups. <laughs> I got. I don't have a sippy cup, but I have a cop a coffee cup. Okay. And uh, and a couple of. Oh, it's just seeing how you like the name of my new band. Oh no, I, I'm I'm pre-ordering the record already. Dog, dog bones and sippy cups. I'm in. I'm in. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Speaking of, that's probably somewhere lodged in the back of my one brain cell. 
the uh, there there was a, a band for many years that turned into another band called Pitbull Daycare. So oh, I, re- I heard the name Do- Dog Bones and Sippy Cups. Kind of th- th- anyway. Yeah, yeah. I I wrote an article on them for Metal Edge magazine back when they were still around. Oh, wow. Um yeah, those guys it's the band is made up of a bunch of San Antonio guys. I'm originally from San Antonio and Jason of course has, you know, long history in San Antonio. There we go. This is this is the see when you say pitbull daycare people think of something else and this is this is my pitbull daycare. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Yeah, which one is that? What are the names here? Okay, so this is Willow. She's a puppy. She's my foster that I'm probably going to fail on and keep. And then the gray and white one right there, that's Mila. That's my uh, my main bitch. I've had her for nine plus years. And then you can see Rufus's butt over there with the, uh, <laughs> flannel on. He's drooling into a pillow that he's sleeping on right now. So this is the three my trilogy of terror here right on ace von johnson's kennels right right here on the talk louder podcast i love it i like the i like the purple patent leather (laughs) oh yeah (laughs) this is actually part of my stage ensemble that's attractive (laughs) (laughs) they're all color coded i hate that my ocd is is so obvious and blatant but uh willow's purple and and sometimes pink Milo's pink and something else and then rufus is like gray and black or something i don't know they they don't have little outfits and accoutrement that they wear and everyone's color you're making the doctor diagnosis be fun yeah exactly (laughs) well i mean you know at least uh at least my crazy is a fun kind of crazy yeah well man we've had guests confess that exact we've had that it was johnny Johnny, oh, Mark, uh, John Mark Mark. Talked to, yeah, he yeah. talked to he talked to us about he was he was an open book. Yeah, he always is. Yeah, that's the best way to be. That's hard for some people to be. So that way, so I love him. He was hilarious on the right, show, yeah. and he's always great in person. I can't imagine what it's like traveling with that guy. And uh, <laughs> I can. It's interesting. I love Johnny. Johnny's the guy I've known the longest. I, I think I met. Uh, I'm 40 now. So I met Johnny when I was maybe like 21 or 22. Wow. And so we go back a good 18 years or and whatnot. So he's, he's fun to hang out with. We always talk about punk rock and yeah, and he's always very like, how, you know, how's my hair? You know, does this, does this look, how does this look? What do you think of this turtleneck? And I'm like, Oh, I don't know, dude. Yeah. Yeah. He had a brand new haircut. He was sporting the current haircut when he was on our show, but at the time it was brand new. So it was sort of that, vapors sort of you know oh, yeah yeah the razor on top and kind of mullet in the back and everything it looks <laughs> yeah. amazing yeah it's a mullet <laughs> yeah yeah but it's a it's a good looking mullet yeah he, he makes he pulled all that off he's got the, he's got arguably the best hair in, in any band i've been in in 20 years <laughs> johnny and i i've known johnny since he played for jesse mallon that's that's yeah. where i met him and he was here in Austin for South by Southwest uh, one year. And I'm a, I'm a Jesse Mallon fan, Degeneration, all that stuff. So I went to go see him play. And I'd seen Jesse a few times prior to Johnny being in the band. So whenever Jesse comes through town, I go see him. Well, this particular time I go and Johnny's on bass, Todd Youth is on guitar. And uh, I got to talking to Johnny after the show. And he was like, hey, uh, you know, give me your phone number. We'll, I'll stay in touch. And I, th- I was thinking, 
yeah, sure, dude. Okay, whatever. So I gave him my phone number thinking he's not going to stay in and touch. he started calling you that night? <laughs> not quite, but uh, but we've been friends ever since. And that's been 10, 11, 12 years or something like that. And At least. He always sends me goofy stuff on, you know, text messages. And uh, and uh, I don't know if I should say this, but I will. He also leaks me L.A. Guns tracks before they're available to the <gasps> Hey, we're recording right now, Dave. So be careful with <laughs> your your. I, I I think Johnny and Phil and 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 Tracy know that anything that that Johnny leaks to me is in good hands until it's. Well, you're just a test it. market, Dave. That's all. Yeah, that's what I think it is. Yeah. So, you know, let's dumb it down a little bit. We ever we all think that you're badass. That's great, but you're just a test market. You know, they find people with hair like yours. Yeah. So so let's see what this guy it. thinks. See if he'd yeah. buy the record. He has the you're right like, hair. You're the demographic we're after. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, certainly age-wise, excepting you, of course. If you just turned 40, my God. Jason and I are reminded from time to time how old we are when we do this show. I and think then, that's me reminding us. Yes. Yeah, I think it is. Yeah. Uh, but You guys but, are 43 and 42, right? I've exactly. started, a, I started my cane yes. collection. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you have one that pulls out into a dagger, though. Yeah, of course I five do. Of those. I actually yeah. have an opium pipe that does that. Awesome color cord. Yeah, I mean it's just a prop. Wing. Yeah, wing. <laughs> it is just like a prop. It. I like it. So, Ace, uh, tell us. I, I, if I'm not mistaken, you are freshly returned from an LA Guns video shoot. Is that correct? Yeah, we did a twofer over the, what's today, Friday. We did two back-to-back, um, Saturday, Sunday, uh, in some uh, locations there in the Los Angeles area. And uh, for two of the upcoming four, three, four singles for the new record uh, for uh, Black Diamonds. Um, and uh, and uh, I'm trying to think what they were called. One was called Shattered Glass, and then the other one was the title track for the album. So, uh, and I... Which is what? Uh, black, black diamonds. diamonds. Tell all the kids. Make sure we are... Black diamonds. <laughs> That's the first thing I thought of when I heard the name of the album. That's what I was like. Are we doing a Kiss cover? Because if we're yeah. gonna do one, I would pick. I, I'm okay with that one. Um, I'm being gnawed upon down here by a, a small puppy. So if you hear any weird, no, fine. I thought that was my stomach. I thought it was far. I thought it was from all this coffee I'm drinking. I'm ready to pour it. Yeah, it's farts. Yeah, it does sound like farts. Um, yeah, so, uh, ow, 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 ow. I just will follow the center. <laughs> so, uh, Black Diamond, record. excited oh, yeah. about it. Yeah, uh, this is my uh, second official full length with the band, although I'm pictured on, on a third one, and then I have the live album. So I guess if you call a live album, this will be my third LP with the band uh, in five years. Ow, dude. Yeah. Good. Uh, and it's this sharp little pointy oh. teeth. And, uh, and, uh, and then an EP as well, and then a, a, a bevy of singles. So, uh, you know, in five years, we're cranking them out, you know, really just turning out new stuff. So it's, it's really, it's great to be in a band that's, you know, putting out music all the time. Um, I, I love that because I've been in some other bands, Pussycat included, where, you know, 5, 10, 12, 15, 100 years ago by, you're like, yeah, we're not really going to, we're not going to really do anything. So um, nice change of pace for me, uh, you know, and whatnot. And uh, yeah, that's it. New record. 
Yeah, I awesome. you know LA Guns like you said has been extremely prolific. I remember just being excited that uh that Phil and Tracy were reuniting for uh the Missing Peace record and then when yeah. it came out I loved it, man. I thought it was so good. Yeah. And then in the back of my mind I couldn't help but wonder, you know, are these guys going to be able to keep it together because they have a history of some contention and that sort of thing. And not only are the two of them, you know, keeping it together and continuing to work together, but you guys are cranking out albums one after another, and they're all solid. Yeah. I think you guys have not only been really prolific in really years you're putting, or, or in recent years, but you're putting out really quality stuff too. So that's you, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I always try to approach it with a... Uh, sort of an outsider's opinion because even though I'm I'm a band member despite what the internet might want to say about it um, <laughs> yeah. you're just a hired gun okay I know I wasn't there in 1987 I'm very aware of that um, but wow. you know as I'm in my my fifth year with the band um, I always try to take an outside opinion with the whole you know respecting the legacy what do I you know what am I thinking of these things not as a band member or a guy that's working with these people but like how does this align with with sort of the legacy and the other material? And I think it's really, you know, I think the band is continuing to deliver really solid release after release. Uh, nothing to do with me, you know. I'm, I'm, you know, I, I just work here. But um, <laughs> I, I'm proud of I'm proud of being involved. I'm proud of the records that the band is putting out collectively. Um, and you know, in that same sort of mindset, uh, being in a room with Tracy and Phil, you know, three four months out of the year. You know, I, I see little the little uh, snipes on the Internet and whatnot, but it's like I'm in a room with these guys and they're really fucking close. You know, I had uh, about four hours with Tracy the other day, just the two of us. And then Phil and I on Saturday went out for a cocktail after the video shoot. And, uh, you know, I think it's one of those things where like what's in the past is in the past. And these these two working together is 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 really sort of like I think you use the word prolific. And so. Um, you know, they're uh, the term the term that they both used endearingly is Cain and Abel. And yeah. so, um, you know, they're 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 very yin and yang, but they're still part of that circle. And I love it. I love them both. I love working with them. And it's really unique getting to watch them work together and then get on stage. And then, you know, look, I look to my left and I'm like, holy shit, that's Tracy and Phil, you know, so it's good. It's yeah. cool yeah, Johnny pretty much said the same thing when we had him on the show. He said all the, you know, the 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 past uh, arguments or whatever, for lack of a better word, between Phil and Tracy are just that, a thing of the past. But people won't let it go. And, and Johnny was saying the Internet makes more of it than it really is, because like you, he's with those guys all the time. And he says the chemistry is better than it's ever been and they get along just fine. And, you know, it's, it is work. So there's going to be, you know, discussions and debates and that sort of yeah, thing. Of it's all healthy. It's nothing detrimental. I, I would say in five years, I think there's been maybe one or two instances where I was like, okay, mom and dad are fighting right now. But I mean, in five years, I yeah. mean, you know, Jason, you're in, a, you're in a bunch of bands, you know, I, we all, you know, there's going to be a time where you're like, I don't like that. Or I don't like your attitude or you're, you know, why'd you drink so much today or whatever the fuck it is. That's right. every band. I don't even know how many bands I've been in anymore. 50, you know, and, and this may be, this may be the healthiest environment I've ever been in, you know, jokes aside. So when people, you know, the little 
you know, loudmouths online have their opinions. I'm like, well, you can think whatever you want, but it's not 1991 anymore or 04 anymore. This we're in 2023, and for the last five years, and keep in mind, I've known these Tracy and Phil, these guys for 12 years, 10, 12 years each. Uh, you know, what I see seems to be two guys that work really well together, that love each other and are sort of great, you know, not sort of, that are grateful and appreciative of everything in front of them and behind them, you know, the warts and all, if you will. So uh, it's a cool thing to, it's a really cool thing to be a part of. And uh, I'm happy that the band with or without me is putting out new music that I think is good, you know? So that's that. It's good to get your perspective, uh, just like it was good to get Johnny's perspective on a couple of things, but you kind of being, not what I would think of immediately. I hired gun. Yeah. Um, having a little bit of, of even, a, of course, a different opinion and, and perspective than Johnny would being that you weren't in the band in 1987. Sure. Uh, and the fact that you're, you know, half of Phil's age. Oh, wait, <laughs> hold on. We don't okay, do that. You know what I mean? I'm, uh, I'm about, I'm like three, three fifths of his age. Uh, yeah. You're, you're only a couple of years younger than Phil. Is that yeah. better? Is that yeah. better? I said, I saved that. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, Phil's only 41. That's right. See, was, thank you. Was, Dave. See fact checker. We have a fact <laughs> checker and his name is metal Dave. Yeah. <laughs> Today's actually Tracy's birthday. So happy birthday. Tracy. Oh, uh, he finally and made it to 41. 41 finally yeah. and then awesome. phil's birthday was last week uh and so and then my birthday was the week before and so uh i think tracy just turned uh 50 I'm trying to do the math 57 today 56 i think, I think it's 57 i think yeah, he's a I think year ahead of me 66 and then phil is i can't remember what year he just turned but he's mid 60s and and i think he owns it pretty well especially oh, yeah. because some of the conversations we've had, not just aesthetically, but his whole thing is he goes, man, I, I was in, in England in the mid to late seventies. I saw UFO. I saw the damned. I saw generation X, you know, and, and on and on and on and on and on. He goes, I wouldn't trade that. I wouldn't trade that for the world, mate. You know? So that's a, uh, that's a good Phil Lewis right there. Uh, yeah, I got to work on my English accent. a little no, bit. I thought, I thought that was bang on. And it, that was a pretty good should Phil, be as much time as pretty good Phil. Yeah, <laughs> you know, now as a professionally trained voice actor, oh, that's right. Part of my uh, je ne sais quoi to be able to absorb and process and filter, etc., etc., etc. Who yeah. are you doing now? Are you right. just being the smug Ace Von Johnson? That was I was leaning into like a uh, a Gene Simmons thing there. Oh right, uh, I, I yeah, think you were. Okay. I heard it. Okay. Now, so now if, you say, if you say kissonline.com three times, I will appear in your living room for only eight hundred ninety nine dollars. You can click on my cod piece and get yourself a personalized Gene Simmons of Kiss. Uh, you know that whole thing. Pretty good. Well, Have right. you done any uh, any voiceover work that anybody would recognize or that's popular? Uh, um, yes and no. Um, I've done some stuff that's on Netflix. Um, there was a ser- there is a series called Money Heist that's a, a dubbing yeah. job. It's it's a uh, Spanish show that yeah. they dub English. I I, I did a, a bevy of voices for season three. I should know this stuff, but that's why I write it down so I don't have to remember. I did a right. bunch of voices for that. Cool. Uh, I did some other stuff on Netflix. A show called uh, a show called Marianne. 
uh, a miniseries called The Woods. I was one of the pr- pr- uh, suspected killers. So these were dubbing jobs. Yeah. And then okay. uh, most recently on Shudder, which is a horror streaming series, uh, I did nine different character, whatever spots, wow. whatever you want to call it, for their Christmas special called the Joe Bob Briggs uh, Ghoul Tide Get Together, which was a, a, a fundraiser interspliced with several horror movies. And the episode actually raised over $220,000. Nice. Uh, I also contributed uh, two pieces of music to that as well. Wow. Cool. That's, that's a little bit of a side hustle that sounds fun and cool. And I love it. Yeah. So yeah. when the internet tells me I work at Carl's Jr. and live at my mom's basement or whatever the fuck, I'm always like, are you sure? Yeah. I'm like, are you sure? Are you sure? I'm in my upstairs in my office of my house that I live in with my dogs. Well, uh, where when they, where do you live, by the way? Are you are you in Nashville? I, well, shit, goddamn, man, I moved to Nashville in the middle of that darn pandemic. I had enough of Hollywood, and I got the fuck out of there. <laughs> there yeah. Uh, okay, Joe uh, Bob Briggs. Hey, man. <laughs> so I, I didn't realize that the time zone was the same as it is in yeah. Texas. In Tejas. Yeah. I, yeah. I, you know, I've been threatening to come out here. A, a girlfriend of mine told me I started talking about it in 2013. So I've been threatening to move out here for eight, nine, ten years. Some of my best friends are here. Um, I spent about an hour on the phone with uh, Ricky Rackman this morning, who's only about four, a four hour drive, who's arguably my closest friend. And, uh, and, and I have a stepbrother and his wife that are maybe three hours drive. My best friend, Tony Higby, who plays with Tom Kiefer, he lives literally walking distance up the road from me, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so uh, the pandemic hit and I just, I was paying a fortune to live in my tiny little apartment in Hollywood. And I said, you know what? I think now's the time to jump ship. And I did. And when people go, hey, do you have any regrets about moving to Nashville? I go, man, you know, I do. I regret not moving here fucking sooner. Wow. And so, uh, and so I upgraded to a house. I got a massive backyard that the dogs love, et cetera, et cetera. And here I am, a good old the, the, in the in the in the uh, Bible Belt here. Yeah, yeah, we just we just had Ricky Ragman on the on the show, and uh, he mentioned you as being one of his uh, <laughs> best friends. And Never so, heard of him. yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, I brought up I brought up your new uh, acquisition of the carcass shirt. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He got me a ringer shirt like this. That's this killer uh, tour shirt. Yeah, I love carcass. Yeah. Yeah, I saw you post about that, and I, I was paying attention. Thanks, how did, What how a car, did, uh, carcass shirt from Ricky yeah. Rackman gave his buddy, Von, Ace Von Johnson, yeah. a carcass shirt? What? I want a carcass shirt. I want, I want two of them. <laughs> if I get another one, I'll send it to you. How did you and Ricky cool. become so close? Because Ricky, uh, you know, R- Ricky's more like our age. <laughs> and I know you guys are, you know, Hollywood guys and that sort of thing, so there's that. But... Uh, uh, I mean, now you've moved to the other side of the country. You guys are still buddies. You've been buddies all these years. What is it about the two of you that clicks? Uh, I, I, so I met Ricky through Tammy about, uh, for anyone that might not know, I played in Fast Pussy Cat for 10 years. Um, I met Ricky in probably 2012, and we were acquainted for maybe two or three years. And I would say probably 2013, 2014. All I remember is the conversation went something like, you know, so what do you listen to? And I was like, oh, like a lot of punk rock mostly. And he was like, he goes, oh, okay. And he goes like, what? And I was like, I don't know, like social distortion and the misfits. And he was like, do you you know who Agent Orange is? And I was like, Bloodstains and and 
and Miserloo. And he was like, yeah, what about Adolescence? I was like, the Blue Album, like the Blue Album changed this landscape of punk rock for Southern California. And he was like, really? And he was like, what about T.S. Well? Do you like T.S. Well? And I was like, bro, I was supposed to fill in on guitar for T.S. Well. And he was like, we're going to be friends. And I was like, yeah, we are. <laughs> and that was literally how it started. And it's, you know, eight, nine, 10 years or whatever of that. And I walked him down the aisle at his fucking wedding a year. Was that a year ago? A year ago. And uh, I mean, he met Leah through me, he met his wife through me. And, um, and, you know, we're just, we, we, you know, we get on the phone every other day and I hate talking on the phones. I should tell you how close we are. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, 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 I, I recognize that he's Ricky Rackman, but to me, it's like my obnoxious friend, you know what I mean? Yeah. I say so. the same thing about Jason. Really? <laughs> you know, everybody goes, oh, he's a guy from Dangerous Toys. And I go, no, nah, he's just my obnoxious friend. <laughs> it, it, it didn't occur to me because I'd seen a clip and I thought that it that Jason was a guest. And then I was like, right. Oh, he's on the show with you. And I was like, we were okay, talking yes. about that. We were talking about that sort of uh, <laughs> pre pre you joining us today. We were going, he told me the story about how you just thought I was a guest. If that be the truth, I bet, I, I bet people are really sick of, of talk loud or having the same goddamn guest <laughs> every week. He keeps coming back. I just, I can't, can't get rid of him. Yeah. Yeah. So, no, Dave, Dave's, cool. just, Dave's just using my zoom room. Cause he can't afford the, the, the account. The zoom account. So he just using my Fair. room. So I'm just going, Dude, I'm going to hang out while you talk to rock stars. <laughs> well, you know, so Jason and I uh, did one or two songs together on stage once. Remember the was... Pussycat incident where we you came up and sang, uh, You're So Vain? Yeah, I was going to ask and, about that. Maybe something else. I can't remember. But uh, so for, for five minutes, we were in a band together, bro. Yeah, we were. Yeah. <laughs> so tell us about that. What happened? Tammy, Tammy ended up sick or something? Or... Yeah, he... Wasn't that in Maryland? That was, yeah, that was for M3. And yeah. this was probably 2016, 17 yeah. at the latest. That's good. And, um, and, you know, Jason was 40 and I was 22. And uh, Tammy <laughs> I love um, guy. sort of ser uh, suffered through a series of some health issues that week and was basically in the hospital, and which was the culmination of his sobriety. And I'll kind of leave it all at that. And uh, the beginning of his sobriety. And he was like, I remember he was in the hospital bed. He's like, you guys got to do the fucking show without me. Just make, make sure you do it. And we were like, okay. <laughs> so we just hit up all our friends that were at the festival and we're like, Hey, you want to do a song or 10 with us? Cause we still got to play. <laughs> and uh, we threw it together and it, it was a little stressful at the time, but we still ended up having a good time. I mean, it's M3 oh, yeah. and, and festival style with our friends and everything. And, I think like Cher from Vixen came up and I, I honestly, I don't really remember. Oh, Ted, Ted from, uh, danger, da uh, danger, danger, danger. Yeah. I was like, yeah, Ted from danger, danger toys. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> That's but, fairly common actually. That yeah. You're not the guy in danger, danger. Oh, you're you guys correct. No, not no, in danger, danger. You don't look at all like the guy in danger, danger. What? Some blonde hair, maybe. Oh, yeah. I, I actually enjoy your guys' records. Ooh, oh. I'm teasing. These are jokes. Keep up. Oh, I got um, it. I got it. I got it. No, that was. I love Ted Poley. He's always a, a fun hang. He's but, um, he's uh, he's got good energy. That guy's so nice. He deserves any, anything art. that that moves forward for him. I I condone it. No, I'm just busting balls. No, I love Ted. Oh, he's so, a sweetheart. Yeah. And that record, the record's got like a detective or something on the cover. It's a fucking great album. 
I yeah. can't remember. But anyways, uh, he's a rock and roll savior. Yeah, I yeah, would agree. With that. Yeah, I would agree with that. So yeah, I was going to ask about that. I knew that Jason uh, fronted Faster Pussycat for a couple songs at some festival. I just wasn't sure if you were in the band at that time. So uh, um, anything, anything like that, like when Danny, the bass player, fell over and was. You're on reading my band. notes, man. I've got that. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. okay, let's talk about that because that was. Man, that made the round. So for anyone uh, watching or listening that's not familiar, Danny, the bass player for Faster Pussycat, a.k.a. Slim Tender, uh, there's a video clip of him just stumbling backwards and collapsing into the drum riser, and he takes a shot, man. I mean, his it looked like his head, like his neck snapped. So, yeah, okay. What was so going on that night? <laughs> I, I was just at my young... Uh, counterpart Sam Bam Poulton's house over the weekend on Sunday discussing this very story because um, they they were asking about it and since I lived it firsthand uh, just ran the whole thing then too um, so Danny had been going through some you know I don't know personal shit and was ramping up that week especially that day and was under the influence of uh, lots of alcohol and lots of other things and we saw that coming, and so the the band that was on tour supporting us, even we even had their bass player sort of learn the set. If you go back and watch that like thirty second clip, you'll see a guy jump on stage and put the bass on because he was ready to go. We knew it was going to happen. And what you don't see is just sort of behind Tammy in that video clip on stage, our tech had put a chair, and so Danny didn't realize that the chair had appeared for him to sit in. And so he tripped over the chair and he was so annihilated that it looks like he hits his head, but that's just the whiplash of his body going loose. He actually took the brunt on his, I don't know, right or left arm. And for the next like two weeks, his whole arm just was like purple. And uh, and his head was fine, which is a shame because I don't think there's much really in there anyhow. But <laughs> um, the, the interesting po point was we were in Georgia and the next morning we got on the Monsters of Rock cruise. And at the time, no one had, you know, cell phone, wireless Wi-Fi packages or whatever. And so we were all off the grid for six days. And so it all kind of went, the video clip and all this stuff went viral over the course of 72 hours and no one could reach us. And so we got back on the mainland and Danny's mom had left him this, all these voicemails thinking he was in the hospital or was hurt or had died and all these things even my best friend at the time who was a total straight-laced normal guy was like sitting in his cubicle in an office and some guy was like dude have you seen this clip and he's like oh yeah that's my that's my best friend right there and i gestured to him as if i didn't give a shit because i didn't because he had been so awful all day i actually had some family as i mentioned my my stepbrother who lives in northern georgia was at the show and I introduced him to my stepbrother and he said something really, you know, off color to, you know, it was like, and, and I was like, what an asshole. Like I bring my family to the show. I'm like, it's my bass player, Danny. And he's like, fuck you, you know, that kind of thing. So when he fell, that's why I was like, you fucking made your bed. You might as well fucking lay in it. So, uh, that was, that was that. I don't know what the dog is chewing on downstairs, but it sounds the couch sounds expensive <laughs> couch. Yeah. hey what are you doing he's got the couch in his mouth yeah <laughs> sounds we like had uh, we had uh bridget from new york loose on the oh, show yeah. a long yeah, yeah. time ago and and we were talking about you know her band's uh career at the time and she was saying that 
uh, Danny, of course, was was in the band. Yes. And uh, and she said she, she and basically she said she had a hard time keeping her band on the straight and narrow like they were party animals. And and Danny, I think, doesn't really try to even hide it. <laughs> so, no, it's part of his uh, it's part of his uh, allure. Hush. <laughs> So what was it like? I mean, so you were in Faster Pussycat for 10 years and and Tammy now has been sober for a number of years, which is something I think is amazing. You know, I I thought that guy, I assumed just smoked cigarettes in the shower. Like, I don't I I can't imagine that guy. Fucking deal, Bubba. This fucking shit's got to get fucking sorted. Okay, Bubba. That's a Tammy thing, isn't it? Because he texted me one time and he called me Bubba. And I was like, is, is he make is he referencing the fact that I'm from Texas or is this just what he normally it's calls this term of endearment? Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> on you fucker, you know, like, so, so you were you were in the band before Tammy uh, got sober. And you yeah, that the- was that incident that that weekend of his, his hospital stay when yeah, Jason three. filled in with, yeah. with all our friends was the the. Uh, uh, you know, starting of that, because the doctor was basically like, if you don't stop doing, you know, substance A, B, and C, you're going to fucking die. So those are your options. You can keep going and drop dead, or you can stop. And so clearly he stopped. And it was, you know, really interesting sort of watching the sort of story arc of his and, you know, to his benefit. I mean, I have a better relationship with Tammy now than I think I did when I was in the band, mostly, predominantly, I think, because he's sober, you yeah. know? And so uh, he's not, um, you know, uh, you didn't know which sort of iteration of him you would get um, yeah. when mm-hmm. people are partying nonstop. I well, mean, it's, it's kind of like that anyway when people are kind of blotto half the time. I wonder who I'm talking to right now, kind of a thing. Yeah. Um, I complimented Tammy on just, his appearance and just he, even his voice and just this his strength as a person and he's he's smiling on stage and shit you know yeah, he, it's it's like night coming to sound, day coming to sound checks you know he care yeah. he cares now which is is really great to see uh because you know he probably wouldn't want me to say it but i'll say it for him there was such a long period of time where he did not give a shit and um you know now he really does it shows the band sounds great this is probably the best incarnation that he's got currently of the band ever and uh you know and he's doing new music finally finally and um you know it's just great to see him happy and healthy and taking care of himself and like i said i have a better relationship with him now than i did at least you know maybe the first couple years i was in the band it was very like you know i don't didn't know what you know what i was gonna get that day and so now he'll call and i'm like you know what's up fucker he's like hey bubba fucking just want to tell you i miss you fucker you know so it's sweet i've always thought he was sweet he's He's one of my he's one of my heroes i've made notes about it tammy's like he's one of my favorite rock singers one of my my favorite rock and roll characters just the whole the real deal and uh i've been trying to get him on this show forever but He's not a big, on it. he's not a big like press guy, you know, like podcasts and interviews and stuff like that. It's yeah. not really his, uh, raison d'etre or anything like that. He's kind of like, ah, eh, you fucking do it, fucker. You yeah. Know? <laughs> yeah. That was kind of his, uh, that was sort of his 
portrayal on that metal show when he was on that metal show. Yeah. It's kind of I was a there. Fun, oh, you, oh, you were there? not on the show, but I was there yeah. in the audience. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah, yeah if, if I remember the clip, it was like you know. Uh, they were talking about it was Eddie because Mark Slaughter was there. I think he was saying he had all these guys, you know, 80s metal rocker dudes all in a row. And um, he was going, man, I can, you know, it's, it's cool that, you know, now that we're of a certain age and a lot of a lot of singers don't take care of their voices and they can't hit hit the high notes anymore kind of thing. And like, you know, Mark, you you still got me. And Mark lets one rip. And, and then and then Eddie looks at Tammy, go, hey, Tammy, give us one. And he goes. <laughs> <laughs> he did. You know, he was like, what? Why would I? I don't sing like that. Why are you yeah. even asking me to do? I don't do that. And have you ever heard me do that in Faster Pussycat? You know, doesn't. No, he means anyway, like a, it's punk rock. He's right. Yeah, yeah, he's he's kind of crooning and getting a vibe, and he's the color. He's the yeah. color. It's not about vocal acrobats. It's about rock and roll. Absolutely, yeah. that's Absolutely. where I, there's a mic drop right there. Yeah, I was supposed yeah. to. Why did Why did you leave uh, Faster Pussycat? And I think you alluded to something earlier that I've always thought was my theory, and my my theory was that. Um, they just weren't as active as LA guns and LA guns to me, I think they are now, I think they're picking up steam, but I would say five, six, seven years ago, faster wasn't out and and doing as much as LA guns. And and I could see where that would be a catalyst for someone maybe jumping ship, but it's your uh, story. You tell us. Yeah. I'll try to give you the 10 cent version. I think Tammy's approach is predominantly in the 14 years I've known him be like, go out, do a two month tour, make sure we all hate each other and go home. And then I'll see you in seven or eight months. And I don't, it, it, it got to the point as I got into my, into my thirties and my mid thirties where I was like, this is exhausting a, and then B, you know, it was like, a, it, it became, it was more of a work harder than smarter kind of approach, at least for the band or for myself. And, um, also the fact that there wasn't any new music coming out. I mean, I, I think Pussycats released two tracks that I've played on, uh, in the last 14 years, one of which was after I left the band. And so I wanted to be in a, in a band that at least put out music every two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight years. And there were some reasons why he wasn't putting out music that he didn't even tell me until I had already left the band. It was something to do with, you know, someone, some, some, something from like the nineties where like someone had like a lean on his publishing or some weird thing. It's, it's more his story to tell than mine, but it just, he had never told me that. And I was like, so we recorded 20, 30, 40 songs at Gilby's house or Gilby studio and your studio and all over the place over the last 10 years, only for you to just shit can them. And so that was one of those things where uh, I just kind of felt like I was kind of swimming in circles. And, uh, and of course I didn't know that at the time, you know, he'd be like, hey, fucker, why don't you come over and work on these songs with me? And then none of that shit ever came out. You know, I mean, even that song NOLA, New Orleans, that he just put out like a year ago or whatever. I recorded that three different times with him, none of which were the one that came out. And that song was old when I joined the band. You know, when I he, he had a version of that. In 09. He had a version of that in 09, you know, with with the previous guitar player. So stuff like that. Um, the fact that. Um, that Chad Stewart, the drummer, and myself were basically co-managing the band for like the last 
five five years that I was in the band, it, it and I was running all the social media outlets and all these other things. Uh, it 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 kind of wore on me after a while. And LA Guns had been approaching me for at least four different intervals over the course of maybe a year or so uh, following the reunion. And I finally sort of relented just because of my schedule and some personal reasons. I said, yeah, fuck it. I'll go out with these guys for two weeks, try it on for size, see how it works. And I went out and I was like, oh man, nobody's, you know, going crazy. Nobody's screaming. There's a manager. There's a tour manager. I've got my own, you know, stage right guy. And then everyone was like, okay, time to go back to work with Pussycat. And I did double duty for at least 12 months. And, you know, and then it got to a point where I had to pick one and I picked what I thought was best for me as a human fucking being. And I stayed with LA Guns, you yeah. know, and, uh, and I love Tammy. And, you know, there's times where I'm like, man, it'd be cool to still be doing that. I mean, fuck, I got up and played with them over the summer at least 20 times. Wow. Uh, yeah. You know, we run that, that Sonic Slam package yeah. tour with Tom Kiefer and LA Guns yeah. and Pussycat. Yeah, it was great. Um, but uh, I think the, the the right decision for me, at least, was to do the guns gig, and and I don't have any regrets about that. And let's talk probably, about your let's talk about your role in LA Guns as a as a writer. Are you are you contributing things? Based, prob, I'm just going to guess uh, to Phil directly or or to Tracy directly or both. Are you sending it to everybody when you sort of have something that sounds this sounds LA Guns ish? I'm going yeah, to this off, you know, I, what, what's, I, tell I, us a little bit about how that works for in your situation. Sure. Sure. Um, I usually, cause I do a lot, I'm actually sitting at sort of my studio setup here. Um, I usually demo stuff for, you know, whatever the project is or job is. And um, e for each record, I've submitted a song or three and um, this newest record, um, the, I think, I think, it's been a couple months since I've seen the track listing. I think my song closes out the record. Um, but, you know, we all contribute to each piece of music, et cetera, et cetera. And, and Tracy's pretty, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Diplomatic as far as like publishing and whatnot. And so, um, you know, which is why I think the band is usually credited across the board for basically as an album in full. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, Checkered Past had a composition of mine and as does the new record. And I'm sure moving forward, you know, keep going with that, that sort of trajectory. Although obviously the bulk of it's written by Tracy, uh, if not in full, at least, you know, the, the majority of the music. Um, but usually I just send it to him and go, what it's usually like a riff or sometimes a fleshed out song. I'll go, Hey, what do you think of this? Um, and, and both actually both songs on the last two records, uh, I sent him in and he goes, these are great. Let me just put a little, you know, an extra little thing on this or put a rhythm guitar on it or whatever. And you just do whatever. And he's been, you know, kind enough to sort of be like, those are your songs. Do you take the solo, you know? So, um, and, and doing things where I'm writing for other projects or, or at least attempting to, et cetera. Um, I'm usually, uh, trying to put myself in that mindset of like, well, what would I want to hear? What is that? What does this sound like an LA gun song or does this sound like a whatever band project, et cetera, song. And, um, you know, being a, a relatively decent fan of the first three albums combined with what the current incarnation of the band is, I'm trying to go oh, like, okay, if I could take, you know, 60% cocked and loaded and 30%, you know, missing piece, and 10% of what I want and stick it in a blend, you know, and 5%, you know, Hollywood vampires, 
because that's what ultimately it's not about like what do i want it's like well what is the what is a la guns fan going to think of this yeah I'd, li I'd like to interrupt you there for a second you sure. know I, i'm not going to ask your opinion about uh anybody else uh, let's let's make it be about la guns yeah. do you, when you write when you write something let's say you're not thinking about uh any 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 singer or any other you know secondary guitar part or whatever when you write something is it kind of like an aha moment wow i can hear phil singing this maybe not so much like like you said you know parts of this and parts parts of this era and this era of guns and make it be this one thing is it like oh i hear you know my other project guy singing this or i hear or I hear Tracy, oh, I, I could hear Tracy soloing over this, or again, uh, I hear Philip's voice on this. Does that ever happen? Is that like sort of a, a the positive barometer, the, the way to measure something that you've sort of like fallen into, you, you know, what would be filed under cool riff number 17, whatever? Yeah. I don't think it ever really occurs to me like that. I don't think I'm ever really, unfortunately, as you're a singer and a frontman, I don't ever really write with the singer or frontman in in mind. Ninety. No, no, that's good. But after, say, after you write it, after you write it, after it's kind of like starting to grow uh, arms and legs a little bit, your your idea. Yeah. Do you ever like, oh, oh, that would be cool if so-and-so, I hear so-and-so, you know, is that part of um, your... It, it's mostly I'm writing exclusively for myself. And if something comes out and it, and I was like, wow, this sounds like it could be a Dangerous Toys song. I, I might call you and go, hey, what do you think of this riff? Or what do you think of this? I did that uh, pretty recently with a, a, a junkyard. Um, actually was talking to Tim Mosher, the guitar player on the phone today. Um, cause we're, we're, we work together on some other stuff, sort of, uh, commercially, if you will. And, um, uh, and I had sent him this riff maybe a year ago and I was like, Hey, I've got this riff and it's been sitting on my phone and then into my computer and then into a demo MP3 for years. What do you think? And he was like, Oh, I really like the verse and the chorus, but the riff is too busy. He goes, we could use this. And I said, great, you know, run off with it. I, but I, I never wrote it hearing a singer. It's sort of like if you came to me and were like, Hey, do you have any songs? I would go through all my library and be like, Oh, I could hear you singing that. Like it's sort of an afterthought, I guess would be the easiest yeah. way to, to describe it. Um, I, I just don't really, I, I think maybe because I'm not like the, I think Tracy operates the opposite. I think Tracy's going, this is for LA guns. This is with Bill. This is with Bill. This is for this other project. This is for, you know, Sunbomb or whatever. And he's working that way. I'm just, I'm kind of doing my own thing. And if it becomes a full fleshed out song, great. I usually tend to just write a riff or an idea. And then I don't ever, I, I'm not a, I'm not a really solid, uh, I don't, it's seldom that I complete a song from A to Z. It's usually, I consider myself a collaborative writer. I prefer that. Um, actually, okay. I, mentioned, I mentioned Tony Higby from Tom Kiefer's band, and I mentioned Sam Bam, who was my sort of former protege, who I put in my position in Pussycat and is still currently with them, uh, Sam Bam Colton. The three of us actually last week were together for an entire eight-day stretch here in Nashville, uh, just writing. So, um, and that was easier for me to sit down with two other guys who both are guitar players and go like, 
you know, I'm working on this thing in G minor, I'm working on this thing in, you know, C sharp major, whatever. And like, what do you have? What do you have? And sort of cranking out these little ideas and turning them, you know, taking my riff and his chorus and, and, and making a Frankenstein there. I, I work better like that. Um, but, you know, it's been so long where I've been in a band where we got in a room and cranked out stuff together. Um, it's, it's a nice change, but as far as what you asked, I, I just write. And if it sounds like something cool and most of the time it sounds like nonsense and it just either dies on the vine on my phone or my computer. And then five years later, someone goes, Hey, do you have any punk rock riffs? And I go, actually, and I <laughs> open up my little file and I off they go. Yeah. yeah. Tell, tell us, um, as a guitar player, what have you learned about your playing or guitar playing in general since you've been paired up with Tracy, who I consider Tracy's one of my favorite guitar heroes. He's pretty rad. I, I think he's an awesome guitar player. Yeah, so for you being in a band with him and being co-guitarist with him, have you picked up anything from just, you know, every being, day of my life? Yeah. Yeah. Tell he's, us. He's, He's a legitimate guitar hero. Um, you know, I mean, as far as like even pop culture goes, like so many people don't know this, but he's the fucking guns and guns and roses, you know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. Um, and LA guns, obviously. But uh I would say anytime I'm able to sit down and actually watch him play, I'm always going like, oh, okay, what was oh, what was that? And you know, he's real because he does teach as well, so he's always really patient. And, and the off chance I may actually have the, the gall to be like, hey, can you show me that little thing you just did? Because that was fucking rad. He's like, oh, yeah, of course. Um, I think the most imperative thing he showed, taught me or whatever, was to be a little more, uh, to not be in such a rush. Like he was like, you don't need to try to fit in all these little things. He's like, you can just grab something and emote on it. Not that I didn't know or do or whatever, but he gave me a little more confidence to sort of just breathe uh, rather than like, look how many I can squeeze into the, you know, and, uh, and, uh, started breaking into a Dwayne Peters there. Uh, and, you are reading uh, my notes. You are reading my notes. Uh, man. Here's the fucking deal, Dave. I want these guys in U.S. bombs to fucking, uh, um, God, that's a whole other can of worms. Uh, well, I want to open it later. So, uh, I've at least one band member of all my years. I have to do an impression of at least one, and it's usually the singer. I don't do. A, I don't have a Tracy. I really don't. There's no Tracy. Um, he has to be the singer. But uh, yeah, I, there's so much that I've learned that I wouldn't even know how to give you a like a shorthand list. It's it's. I think mostly just the the sort of giving the 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 you know room to breathe and um and taking your time um you know and then thinking outside the box which i mean a lot of this stuff wasn't like i wasn't aware of but just kind of compounded that and then also you know we we all have a very eclectic palette which excuse me um i think is beneficial to anyone at any instrument any craft singer drummer flautist whatever i i i don't i mean i listen to like 80 percent punk rock 10 percent now you know, 60% punk rock, 10% heavy metal. And then the rest of it's like, I listen to a lot of like classical and scores and stuff, stuff like that. Like I'm a big Danny Elfman fan, um, uh, John Williams stuff. Um, of course the people's names are escaping me. Uh, what, Wochak or something like that. The guy that did the, uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula score, mm -hmm. stuff like that, because I also do, um, some composition and stuff like that where I'm 
trying to call from that world rather than just like loud guitars, loud guitars. And uh, I think just bringing in all those different elements and, and talking more with Tracy and guitars, you know, rockabilly and, and uh, you know, shanker and, and stuff that like I'm aware of or whatever, but uh, things that weren't really on my, in my palette, on my palette uh, prior to sort of maybe the last five to 10 years, you know? Yeah. How did you, uh, you mentioned Dwayne Peters and I didn't know that you spent some uh, years in U.S. bombs. Um, tell us about that little period of your career. How long did it last? Uh, were you on any of the albums? Um, and, uh, yeah, just tell me about working with Dwayne. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. Um, I loved the U.S. bombs as a teenager. That They were at like the height. You know, Tim Armstrong from Rancid uh, had a, started a vanity label in the late 90s. You know, they're the, one of the biggest bands out there, you know, Green Day, Offspring, Bad Religion. So the singer of Rancid started this band called, a uh, label called Hellcat. And the two bands he signed out of the gate were the Dropkick Murphys, who've gone on to become basically an arena band. And then this other band called the U.S. Bombs. And um, uh, a guy that used to beat me up in high school uh, named Billy Dunbar, his favorite band was the U.S. Bombs. And so I had a little laugh about that in my 20s when i joined his this band this guy used to was a freshman in high school and he'd walk by me and pelt me with an apple and call me the f word you know <laughs> and all that stuff and so or a poser or whatever some combination of and um i met Dwayne in my teenage years uh i'm 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 trying to not go down the rabbit hole because i'm really good at that but uh i'm an angelino i lived there till i was 14 second generation la blah 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 my mom and my stepdad moved me to San Diego when I was 14. So from 14 to 19, I lived in San Diego. And uh, Dwayne Peters' nephew, Chris Worthless, Chris Klamowski, uh, and I made friends in, in high school uh, just going to punk shows. And so I sort of joined his band at one point for five minutes. I was like 16, 17, 18. And so I met Dwayne then. I met him through his, his nephew and sort of was in his peripheral a little bit. And then moving forward, uh, 21, I started dating a woman who was in an all-girl punk band. I'm not even going to say their name. It's not worth mentioning. That was on his, Dwayne Peters' little vanity label. And uh, and my little, my girlfriend's little sister, or my little sister, if you will, is a girl named Susie Moon, who's doing really well in the sort of punk circuit right now. I'm very proud of her. I've obviously known her for 20 years now. My friend and, plays uh, bass in that band. Uh, oh, Patty? Yeah, Patty Bo. Yeah. I've known Patty for 20 years. Yeah. And he was with the River City Rebels and yep. we talked together. I come from a punk rock background. And so I played yeah. in all these punk bands. And uh, I met Dwayne more in depth when I was dating this artist on his label and we were around each other all this time. And then I was in an LA band called The Generators and we went out on tour with the US Bombs. I was probably 22. And he was going through a lot of uh, drug issues and sort of confided in me. He's like, I remember you, you were my nephew's friend and you're dating that girl on my label. I can, you're, you're in the trust tree. And so the, and then the flip side of that was his guitar player, the sort of slash of us bombs is a guy named Carrie Martinez, shattered faith, uh, bad luck charms, all this stuff. And Carrie was one of those guys I looked up to when I was a kid and uh, was always cool to me. You know, uh, when I was 17, my first band did a show with the Circle Jerks, U.S. Bombs in my band. And I remember Carrie and I hanging in the parking lot after and blah, 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 blah. And so, and, you know, it's not uncommon for Carrie and I to get on the phone for three hours at a time now. And uh, he's kind of like my big brother still. And so 
uh Dwayne was courting me to play bass for the bombs he was like you know Wade's gonna retire and we need a guy to thump the low end okay and so uh and so I like was sound checking with them and I was 22 so I was like wow I'm, these guys are we're in Europe so over there the market for them was like you know a thousand people a night two thousand people whatever tangible and I was still playing in this band called the Generators and uh, I came home from that tour and I joined his other project, not the Huns, but the other other project called the the Gunfight, the Dwayne Peters Gunfight. And so yeah. I did that band off and on for maybe seven years or so. I played on the second album uh, called Checkmate, which was a a uh, a, uh, a nod to his son Chess, Chelsea Chess, who had just passed away. It was a whole gnarly experience being working with this guy who i was close with at the time whose son then died mm. and so i did that um he and i had a project called the great unwashed with greg keen from tsol the keyboard player uh and uh, who also plays with x and i think he played with bob dylan in berlin for a long time as well wow. and so this was all in my the first half of my 20s and so i'm working with all these guys and uh that sort of segues into joining pussycat because our the guy that booked the U.S. Bombs and Dwayne Pierce Gunfight is a guy named Charlie Overby. Uh, Kit Ashley from a band called Big Bang Babies, which is where uh, uh, Kerry Kelly, the guitar player, got his start from. And so this is where the paths sort of cross. But yeah, I worked with Dwayne. I was in the Bombs for maybe six months. We did two months in Europe once, and that was kind of it. I'm not on any Bombs records. Uh, although the three core guys of the band, uh, the drummer, the bass player, and Kerry, the guitar player, did a project after the fact called the UX Bombs, uh, without Dwayne that I played I played on that record just sort of as a nod so um, I could tell you stories about Dwayne for hours and hours but most of the people that are interested in LA guns and dangerous toys and what we're talking about don't have any clue about that and then of course Dwayne more recently has gone way off the deep end in his sort of right-wing nonsense and I don't condone any of that as far as his weird diatribes and and whatnot but he does have a long history of mental health issues and you know politics aside i just sort of take it at face value and uh he and i haven't talked in some time but i'm still very close with carrie martinez um actually they were talking about trying to get the core sort of uh there's no with a band like that there's no real original lineup but the lineup that was popular in their hellcat era put that back together and there was some talk about doing some shows this year next year soon you know kind of nostalgia's sake i hate to say cash grab but whatever and uh carrie was like you know if if johnny two bags who's been in social distortion for at least 15 years and is an also a friend if if two bags can't do it probably can't would you do it because you're the only other guy that sort of can handle this uh i said you know if i'm free um and it gets me to play with carrie because we're he's like a tracy to me he's just like a like a big brother yeah uh, i would i would do it just for the sake of doing it but um yeah that that's sort of that in a very very quick eight-year nutshell no, uh, i was just I curious would... because u.s bombs is i've i've got the the one record i have is is awesome is is it war torn or war, war Earth. that's war the record. Earth. yeah war Earth. Great, great record. And I saw him a couple times and, and Carrie actually gave me a t-shirt at one of their gigs. Yeah. And I had it, I held on to it for the longest time, but I think it was a large or extra large. It's somehow it was too big for me. And eventually I, <laughs> I, I got rid of it. But, uh, but I always remember them being, uh, all my punk rock friends loved them. Dwayne, of course, with his background in skateboarding and, 
and then you know he he is he's another one of those characters man it's just like walks the walk man it's almost to the point that it's frightening you know you may not like it but he is a hundred percent the real fucking thing yeah yeah well cool i didn't know that was part of your past and uh when i did a little when i saw that doing the research that i did which wasn't a lot i'm just confessing um, I thought that was pretty rad. So I just learned a shit ton. So even in the, the, the small, condensed version, you tried yeah. to condense that. And I was like, wow, he's giving me, I thought this was a condensed version. Yeah. Sorry. I'm a, I, no, I'm, that's, I'm a, I do a lot of tangenting. That's good. That's good. Details. I like details. Yeah. How do you know our friends, uh, lower class brats, you mentioned oh, San Diego no. earlier. So yeah. me, I've, and, I've known years. bones and Marty for 27 years and yeah. they're one of my favorite bands and so when i knew that you knew them i think you and i were talking on twitter one time and it was like what you know who these guys are there's like three there's th- probably three lcb records back here somewhere yeah yeah how did you is is san diego your connection to those guys or inadvertently so uh i mentioned punk rock yada yada so i had my very first band um as a teenager and there was a punk band from philly called the virus sort of like the casualties and that kind of stuff you know i call it hair punk you know they're more concerned about how big their hair is than the music and you know like on the you know like exploited gbh one-way system that kind of stuff and uh the singer relocated to san diego and started coming to my shows this guy mike virus and he basically absorbed my band uh my original drummer myself and my bass player turned guitar player who then replaced me when i left this band we started called cheap sex cheap sex and so i was 18 or 19 years old and we did this debut record they're like touring it right now it's like 20 year anniversary uh launch off to war uh you know hair punk and we signed to some little indie label that was uh had lower class brats and they set up a tour with both bands uh that actually never ended up happening because cheap sex got in a terrible car accident um one of the guys almost died it was a whole thing and uh that went uh tits up as they say but by that point i had left the band i had joined another band called madcap that had a little sort of indie record deal was touring all the time and so i joined madcap and i went that way and they went that way but inadvertently i met the lower class brats guys and and marty and bones and a lot of these guys just like carrie martinez a lot of these guys were like oh man i fucking love that first bastard pussycat record uh marty hit me up last month and was like hey can i come to this pussy uh la gun show and can you put me on the guest list i was like yeah of course no problem same thing you know i mean i'm not gonna name drop but lots of guys that i grew up watching in the punk rock scene then years later were like dude you're in la guns can i come watch your band and i was like yeah so uh which i love you know because at the end of the day i'm just a fucking fan but uh that's how, that. right we're all fans i mean look Amen. look at the background of all of our stuff yeah you know? so, yeah uh, that was sort of how i met them and then ron this, Mar- is, this is mom's basement 101 <laughs> all right, hey man i mean i love it you know and, and then ron martinez came in as their bass player and then ron was the guy that put me on my first tour i was like 17 i was a child i was in high school you know so i had a history with him um and then at one point before uh, fred came in as a second guitar player i have a tendency to sort of shoot my shot as the kids are saying and i would be like hey man if you're ever recording and you want 
a guitar player on some shit. I'd love to play guest guitar on something. And for about three or four years, they're like, oh, we should totally have you be a second guitar player or play on an album or whatever. And then my buddy Fred came in and sort of occupied that role. But for a minute, we were talking about that because I still try to keep my sort of punk rock roots going. I'm actually working on uh, some stuff. I'm probably not supposed to say anything, but I'm, I'm working on some stuff with the Electric Frankenstein guys right now. Oh, you know, cool. like, I fucking love, I love that band. Yeah, I mean, I love that's that a cool band. band. 25 years ago and so uh you know and people know me now for pussycat and la guns or whatever the hell else but i mean i have my roots are predominantly you know i mean i was in murphy's law and the u.s bombs and all that stuff yeah so i try to kind of still you know like i don't want to go to the shows but i want to listen to the records still <laughs> yeah. you know? i think we all know how that goes when i i feel like there's a i'm sorry dave there's a i feel like there's a a pretty good connection and i think that you just sort of like you know show and tell you just went like here it is right here inadvertently without even saying anything the connection between like the cool like rock and roll influenced punk rock you know whether it be like oi punk or you know even like some of the bands you mentioned some of the bands you played for the whole hair punk thing even solidifies the the where where I'm going with this. So many of my punk rock friends, yeah, like you said, like Marty said, I should say, love the first Faster record. Love the first couple LA Guns records. They take in a lot. It's like, okay, well, who doesn't like ACDC and Motorhead? Those of you who don't like ACDC and Motorhead, fuck off. You can go away, right? And then whoever's kind of left in the dirt right there is yeah. probably going to have a few punk rock albums. Yeah. But they're also going to have a couple of LA Guns and Faster Pussycat records too. Uh -huh. And and whatever, a Junkyard record, two Junkyard, five Perfect. Junkyard record, <laughs> maybe a Circus of Power and a Rhino Bucket. And a, there's this sort of like, yeah, yeah. That's right up. That's right up the middle of the aisle. You could say yeah. class of '87, class of '89, kind of culture that we're talking about where you know bones and marty from lzb can walk in and go i have all of these records at home really aren't you like this yeah. punk rock band yeah you know? yeah it, 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 that crossover that's it, not really called crossover is thick and it doesn't I, get talked about enough i agree and I, I i was just on this rant which i'm good at maybe a week ago and i was like i i think i was a fan and I flat out was like putting my finger in his chest and I was like, do they have a drummer? Do they have a guitar player and a singer? Yeah. Okay. It's a rock band. Yeah. He goes, oh. and I was like, drummer, singer, guitar player, rock yeah. band. Don't matter. Long hair, short hair, mohawk, shaved head, whatever. Drummer, singer, guitar player, Amen. Rock, player rock band. Fucking Amen. rock band. Yeah. I say that, I say that about hip hop and country. Does it have drums on it? It's rock yeah. and roll. Yeah. Oh man, oh, this shouldn't be NWA, shouldn't be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Well, it got drums. Are they hardcore? Yeah. Do you do you hate them? Yeah, it's rock and roll. That first NWA, I've got that. That first NWA record. Oh my God. It's punk rock than fucking it's most so, thing. It's hardcore, man. It is so <laughs> and you know what? They're talking about real shit. And yeah, people shit. forget that too. Yeah. So, so heavy. You could say heavy too. Well, and, and I'm a huge Cash fan. Uh, I've got a Johnny Cash portrait on me. And, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm always kind of of the mindset of where it's like, 
again, drummer, singer, guitar player. Huh? Okay. But you know, you got this guy writing about, you know, don't bring your guns to town and, and whatever else. And I'm like that you put that in the same sort of cache of music as like, uh, you know, social distortion or, uh, you know, stray cats. And, and you're like, well, they're kind of three different genres, but they all still work, you know? So I, I hate music elitism. I don't have time for any of that. I grew up, you know, just like you guys pre-internet. I'm just at that cusp where it was like, it wasn't until my like junior senior year in high school, there was an internet in the school library. But yeah. before that, it was like, you know, my, older neighbor up the street would give me a cassette tape and be like this is metallica listen to this nice. you know I was like, no. but i liked what i liked and it was huey lewis and the beach boys and it was slayer and it was danzig and it was black flag and it was and it would be you know whatever the fuck i heard on the radio might have been fucking black crows it might have been uh it could be this it could be that it, you know i turn on mtv one day and i was like carcass i was like this is kind of cool you know or it would be like you know something off this second dr dre album or whatever the fuck it was i have an eclectic palette and uh i love that i wish more people had that and i think as musicians uh i think i mentioned this earlier as a guitar player whatever instrument you you gravitate to i think it behooves you to go outside of just your little box like i'm in i'm known for whatever maybe this band or this band or these bands but my box isn't just this it's all of this and i think more people should have that approach to stuff i mean i'm just as you're just as apt to walk in here i could have on chubby checker or i could have on watane you know right. or i could have on uh subhumans from canada or i could have on subhumans from the uk or i could have on and i could have on fucking enya and I, you know people are like do you have any what is that like a uh, embarrass what's the term for like oh something you don't talk about like an embarrassing hidden guilty, guilty pleasure guilty pleasure and yeah. i go I don't, I don't believe in that i said but if you want one i would say like enya or some shit like that but i love that so it gives a fuck i like what i like you know right. palette and and well although i wouldn't say drummer singer guitar player you know it's still eclectic and i think it's 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 it you know you got to open your mind man you got to open your mind yeah i like i like one note for a really long time but i also like you know all of the instruments falling down the stairs at the speed of light in time I mean, it could be anything, man. You know, I'm not one to judge people based on the music preferences. I always just say, like, there's stuff that's not for me, but, I mean, I would never... That's that's sort of, like, the one thing where I would be, like... And that maybe like, film. Like, I would be, like, oh, you're really into those those kind of weird art noir films. Okay, that's cool. I would fall asleep in five minutes, but that's great. It's What is it? It's, uh, you know, I'm not here to judge your art. Art is subjective, et cetera, et cetera, you know? So, yeah. Uh, and I think that's also the flip side of why I get so uh, incensed when people are, like on the internet like dur, 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 dur. and i go you could never do a hundredth of what i fucking do so first of all eat my ass second of all unless you're also creating or an artist you should probably shut the fuck up yeah you know? yeah but that's well, also I, me i think people are I basing i think a lot of people <laughs> base their their musical taste on what what wardrobe looks best on their person yeah uh, and again that's so shallow i, yeah. I just I don't. Yeah. And, and I usually bands, between the ages of like, I don't know, 17 and 19, depending if you're male or female or whatever you are, mm -hmm. uh, I think that that era of you, you're kind of know it all and whatever you're into is God and what everything else sucks. 
Yeah. Everybody goes through that. I went sure. through that. Same. There was a we time that if, if it wasn't Venom, Slayer, Metallica, or Merciful Fate, it sucked. Yeah. And fuck you. Yeah. And then I realized, like, God, I kind of miss my Kiss records and my Queen records and my Elton records. I kind of miss all of that shit. Well, and, and then wake up and grow up quick. Yeah. And then you realize you're going, wait, I'm typing. There's no typing. <laughs> but you're going, you're going, wait a minute. So Metallica, Metallica listens to Killing Joke and uh, Discharge. Okay. Well, what does Killing Joke listen to? And, and the, the next, Vandals. And the, the Vandals. And, and Misfits. No. And what? Yeah. Uh, it yeah, so it, yeah, it expands from there. No. Yeah. So speaking of uh, wide palettes and, and musical uh, variations, tell us a little bit about Neon Coven. Oh, yeah. Um, God, I just talked to great, Kyle. Great Korea. band name. Thank you. Yeah, um, yeah so this cool. is a project that you have or had with uh, yeah, Jacob, Jacob Bunton. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, Jacob is uh, one of my closest friends. You'll never meet a sweeter guy. I, I love Jacob. I agree. Yeah, every, everyone knows Jacob. Yep. And um, for those who may not know, uh, Jacob fronted the project called Adler with Stephen Adler. Um, and uh, Johnny I Martin. Known, I think it's known now, but he's the singer for the McMar solo album that may or may not materialize at some point, uh, which I've heard some of and is amazing. And um, he's he's a session guy. He's like a ghostwriter. I don't know what I can and can't say, but he's worked with some massive artists. And um, and he just looks like a guy in a rock band. Like he walks around Hollywood, you know, his cowboy boots and his bandana on, and he just looks like some scrawny guy in a band. But he's also in his own right, respectfully, incredibly successful in his field, which I admire. And because uh, he can sit down and he'll be like, oh, you want an album? Yeah, call me tomorrow. I'll have it done. And um, <laughs> And we... The, he, myself, and our singer, Anthony Montremano, uh, we were on a Monsters of Rock cruise about some six, seven, eight years ago. I don't remember what time frame it was. And the joke was, oh, we're the young guys. We're the, we look like a boy band. And on a dare, uh, you know, you guys should start a project. And we're like, oh, okay. And so we went and met at, of course, of all places, we went and had dinner at the Rainbow and said, like, well, what do we want to do? And similar to what I'm doing with Tony and Sam, uh, Tony Higby and Sam Bam Colton, I was like, okay, so everyone knows us for this. Let's go outside of that. And so we were like, Nine Inch Nails, Depeche Mode, Duran Duran, Killing Joke, uh, that sort of stuff. And we wrote and recorded an EP th uh, that somehow managed to moderately chart off of one song, mostly because of Jacob's uh, sort of industry uh, insight. Yeah. And, uh, and then we did another EP and some singles. And then we did a full-length album during the pandemic called future postponed which was definitely reflecting on the the sign of the times 2020 and i would say that album is in my top three things i'm probably most proud of uh, as far as my output um so the full length um i think i wrote or co-wrote four of the 11 songs obviously i played on probably you know most of it and um, which of course says a lot because jacob is infinitely a better guitar player than i'll ever be so uh, it was very uh, a group effort and um, it, it made the rounds. One of the, actually I was proud for a minute that one of the songs that was getting the most terrestrial radio play, terrestrial as opposed to the, you know, internet stuff right. was my, was my composition and arguably the heaviest track on the record. Uh, I think it's called dead to me. And um, 
and really fun guitar solo. I, I, we, I literally fell off a stool laughing while we were doing it. And we were all laughing, but anyhow, it was a really fun album to do. And it's more of a studio project. It's not really a real band. They've done shows with and without me. And uh, I say that because the band's only probably played maybe on stage 10 times in six years. And this but, is Neon uh, Coven you're talk still talking Neon about. Neon Coven, yeah. yeah. So, Where uh, can someone hear this or buy it? Everywhere. Okay. Spot, Spotify, okay. Apple Music, uh, YouTube, whatever. It's, it's, it's out there. It's very tangible. There's a, a, a vinyl pressing of the album, uh, Future Postponed. Still pretty proud of that. And, you know, we all talk and everyone's busy with their respective projects. So who knows if and when there'll be more. I think they just put out, a, I say they, they put out a single over the summer that I had nothing to do with because they basically were like, well, you're on tour for the next two months. We're going to get together and, you know, tough shit. So, um, and I don't even, I don't, even, <laughs> I don't even know if I even heard it. So and, it's kind uh, of a collective, huh? It's, kind it's of a like collective a, between a the five of us. I think it's all, it, it has to contain four out of five of us for it to right. be the band. Yeah. Um, and then Jacob brought in uh, Kyle Cunningham, our drummer, uh to play on he produced and co-wrote the the most recent orianthi album and he wow. brought in kyle to work on that so you know we're all busy with other stuff and and everything and and so you know like i said it, it, it's more of a studio effort than i i think of it as like a real project if anything wow. in my opinion right yeah it still sound that sounds really cool i had never heard of that i saw that in the information that that i had for research for, to talk to you today and i was like that sounds very interesting so the influences are more of like um, what sounds like, and just to kind of like back up a little bit, I mean, Duran Duran, Depeche Mode, Killing Joke, you know, sort of like a, a goth pop yeah. side of things, but ma major, major key, big melodies, things like that. It reminds me of something that might be even considered a little Bowie-esque. Am I yeah. close? Oh, yeah. Definitely some Bowie, and, and yeah. I think... Jacob brought that in a lot. Uh, yeah. Actually, I mentioned the album I'm not supposed to probably talk about, right. but well. he did with that famous guitar player. And a lot of that, I remember telling him, I was like, wow, I hear so much Bowie in your vocal delivery. And yeah. the thing is, is that Jacob only sings two of the songs on the album. Actually, the other, the, the front man is a guy named Anthony Montemano. Ow, why? Why are you biting me? I'm trying to talk to these people. Uh, <laughs> hey, pay attention to me that's what that bite means yeah yeah here we are but yeah it, it uh <laughs> there's definitely some bowie influence there's also some typo negative and ministry it sort of runs the gamut of that stuff and and i'm not one to be like you gotta listen to my record but I, i'm really proud of that album as i am checkered past as well but this was a little bit more you know i mean i contributed lyrics to this record and i haven't done that i hadn't done that 20 fucking years so uh, I can't remember what the song's called. The second song on the album, I think, uh, is probably 80% my lyrics. And uh, wow. you know, it was humbling for me when my singer and then Jacob, who's also a singer, were like, no, this is great. You know, finish yeah. this off. And so, uh, so yeah, Neon Coven. Nice. Neon Coven. People need to check that out. I remember hearing some of it when it, when uh, you first released some, some of your initial material. And I think I paid attention to it because you were involved. And, and of course, I knew Jacob uh, was involved. So I thought, oh, okay, these guys, I, I like their rock and roll stuff. So let's see what this is about. Yeah. And I remember thinking it was really well done. It's very gothy, sort of industrial, mysterious kind of I don't know if you'd call it synth wave or dark wave or anything like that, but it sort of runs the gamut. Yeah. Yeah. 
I, I had a hard out. time describing that record that some of the jellyfish camp made that imperial drag record i love yeah. I fell in love with that record i love that that's album. like an essential like it's like pop music but i hear like oh who wrote these songs for you uh brian eno and david bowie what's going on you know uh so yeah, like, i feel like you might be on the same team some of that that's oh yeah, yeah. And, and and that record is fantastic i mean it's like a if like the beatles showed up in the 90s or something like that <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so and, i i gotta and, ask you is and wore uh, glam clothes right yeah. <laughs> i gotta ask you is uh is is the origins of your name related to ace fraley or none. zero none none no i i, I got uh, so I joined that band Madcap. I mentioned I was 19 and part of my sort of hazing, if you will, was our, we had a tour. Uh, I had just turned 19 and we we had a tour that started in Florida and the band was based in Burbank. So I basically moved moved into my sister's house in Sherman Oaks in, in Los Angeles area uh, and joined this band. And part of my my hazing or whatever was they mostly made me drive the bulk of the uh, trip to Florida in an Econoline pulling a trailer. And I had only done that maybe once or twice. And we were leaving LA and there was a massive accident that I maneuvered around. And I remember looking to the out the passenger window and watching cars slam in, into each other. We're cruising down the emergency lane. You know, I'm avoiding all this. And my singer, at the time I didn't realize I didn't know about like uh, all this sort of extracurricular stuff. And he was all wound up, if you will. He jumped between the seats. He's like, hey, you fucking ace that, man. Fucking check out the new guy. Ace just fucking saved our lives. And that was literally how the whole thing started. And then they were calling me Ace Rumbler because I have a baritone, low pitch voice. And uh, it's even worse in the mornings. And I was hitting the rumble street. And so for like a month, it was, eight, you know, where's Rumbler? Where's Ace? Where's Ace Rumbler? Blah, 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 blah. And I showed up to the first day of this tour. We were out with a band called uh, Simple Plan that was really popular at the time. And they literally introduced me, this is our new guitar player, Ace. And I hated it because at the time I hated Kiss. Uh, I didn't really get into Kiss until I was in my early 20s when I sort of went backwards as a fan of Alice Cooper. And, um, mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, at the time, I think Eric Singer was playing drums for both bands. And I was like, well, I love Alice Cooper. I should probably reinvestigate uh, Kiss because I only thought of them as like, let's put the X in sex. And I was yeah, like, that's the air. You got a bum deal. Yeah. I got it. <laughs> Being so young. I was when, a 90s kid. You when know? the bad like, Kiss was coming out, right? Yeah, now it's I not, can appreciate. It's not your fault. Oh, the first yeah. like three, maybe five records are <laughs> fucking. Oh, I have them. Yeah, yeah, he's got him now. I know, I have. I know yeah. you do because I know who your friends are. <laughs> so, so the so the I hate so him the, to tell you that. No, I, I love I love everything through. I mean, I love Dynasty. I really do. Actually. Oh, me too. Me too. Yeah. Uh, 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 what's the Paul song on there? That's the single. Not I would made for loving you. Um, sure, know something. Sure, know something. Thank you. That it? I think that's a fantastic great song. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, great writer. Go ahead. Great songwriter. Oh yeah, totally. period. Yeah, he, we just did the Kiss Cruise two or three months ago, and he, I briefly, briefly exchanged with him, but sweet guy, totally sweet guy. Awesome. Anyhow, I don't want to talk about Kiss. Uh, what was that? What was the last? Uh, I was just curious about the origins of your name. So it's basically oh, yeah. so, a near, so that's a near where this car that's crash where Ace came from, and it, it stuck. And then Vaughn was uh, it was spelled differently. What was a 
sort of a, a nod to my father's side of the family, uh, my grandmother, uh, some German heritage or whatever the fuck. Uh, I believe it was spelled diff- uh, V-A-U-G-H-N something something somewhere a couple generations above. But I knew if, uh, I have a friend of God, 25 years, whose last name is Von Jane, spelled that way. And I was like, well, I don't want to be, I don't want to be like too close to that. And so I spelled it V-O-N as an homage to sort of my father passed when I was a teenager. So sort of a nod to that and then an homage to uh, Erie Vaughn from Sam Hain and Danzig. So wearing the shirt. And so that's kind of where it came from. Also because uh, at 20, my mother was like, oh, I looked up Ace Johnson and it's like a rapper. It's like a hip hop artist. And I, w- I wanted my name to be synonymous with me. So I called the Vaughn and here we are, Ace Vaughn Johnson. I think people, not so much anymore, but for a while people were like, oh, I saw your name. I thought you were like in the adult entertainment industry or something. Okay. <laughs> I'm not mad at that either, but I mean, you know. I would have no, thought about it. it. Now I'll never unhear that. Well, <laughs> Man, okay, one more thing real quick, and then we'll let you go. Um, I wanted to talk to you because I know you're a big-time horror movie fan. And, yeah, so quickly, your your favorite piece of horror memorabilia in your your vast collection. Oh, dude, there's no quickly to that. Um, (laughs) He does this. He asks questions like that. (laughs) Um. Hmm. Uh, probably, uh, you know, I collect one sheets. There aren't any in this room. This is sort of strictly like nerd and music stuff. Um, but I've got about 30 plus framed in the house, uh, you know, like the theatrical movie posters going all the way back to, I think the earliest piece I have is early fifties. Um, if I had to just pick one, it would be my 1956 creature walks among us one sheet uh, I got it. I, I feel like I ripped the guy off. I think I got it for like 500 bucks and Whoa. I'm sure, I'm sure it's worth a lot more than that. But the unique thing about it is it's, uh, it's, it's, it's hand cut. So it's almost got a 3d effect to it. When you get close, you can see that the paper, the edges are kind of peeling up. It's not just a poster. Uh, and then I would follow that up with, cause I can't give you one at one strict answer. Uh, the following, my second piece would be, um, I have a 1959 French Grand, uh, House on Haunted Hill uh, French Grand. That's about five and a half feet tall. It's about almost as big as me uh, in my hall going down the stairs here. And uh, that's just a big deal to me because that was my father's favorite film. He actually lived in the Los Angeles area in the neighborhood as the director, William Castle. And apparently, I can't ask to confirm because both my father and the director are long since gone, but apparently my dad used to tell me and my my older sister that he would have all the neighborhood kids over and he would show his films to the neighborhood kids before they came out. And oh. so, so legend has it, my dad saw House on Haunted Hill as a little, like eight, nine years old or whatever, uh, 59, so he was like 11. Uh, with all the neighborhood kids before it came out, it scared the shit out of him. So when I was eight, nine years old, he made me watch this movie, which, you know, of course, all the black and whites by today's standards aren't really scary, but I was fascinated with it. I grew up fascinated with it. And I, I love that movie. So that's why that's important to me. Third piece, and I'm going to stop it there, is I have a pin, not from a film, but a pin from, uh, and I say this, you know, get the bucket because I tend to drop names, but so Doug Bradley, who played Pinhead in, in all the original Hellraiser films, um, or most of them, uh, if you will, 
uh, has become a friend of mine over the years. Actually, there's a piece of art right there that I'm pointing at. It's a mixed media piece that his wife made me. Uh, it's a little like evil nun. Uh, maybe I'll pull it off the shelf, but uh, that's not it. He did a, his first um, convention appearance in costume as Pinhead. And uh, the woman doing the festival used to manage me and tour manage Pussycat. And she tour managed like Overkill and all these bands in the 90s. And was one of my best friends. And so he had us come in to this photo op that was in like a room and it was, you know, they had smoke and you walked in and you, the, the uh, lament configuration was there. You're like in the mood and you touch it. And then he comes out of the shadows and they take the picture and you scare the shit out of you. Awesome. And so obviously with us, he was <laughs> like, Gina and Ace, it's so great to see you. And then at the end, he gave me one of the pins. So I still have it. And it doesn't, it's not like it was in a movie or anything, but to me, it was just a really cool, unique thing as, as a fan of that franchise yeah. And, uh, and, and, you know, I like one of a kind stuff. And, uh, and so there you go. It's my top three, Absolutely. although I'm sure tomorrow it'll change. Nice. So in <laughs> your, in your frame there, I see the letters L O F F that's Karloff. Yes, sir. Yeah. That's a, uh, uh, this beautiful, uh, I guess you call it a tapestry and it is the bride of Frankenstein artwork as a as a throw blanket and i've had it for very very long and it used to be flipped over the other way where you could see the the monster frank the bride of uh, frankenstein and the monster or whatever you would call them yeah. frankenstein's monster together but the dogs over the last several years their collars have started to wear through the threading so it's starting to just dis so that's but not your that's over. not that's not your blanket anymore there is nothing in this house that's yeah. soft. That's mine. The couch is the dogs. The bed's the dogs. The pillows are the dogs. So, so about the few a uh, few pieces that you mentioned, which sound amazing, um, I wonder if Kirk Hammett has any of those. Kirk, man, uh, it just occurred to me about a month ago that Kirk has a Twitter page for his, uh, you know, his like Kirk Von Hammett thing, right? And uh, with all his one sheets and everything, and. And this is so like social media nonsense, but it like that account follows like a hundred people. And I realized I was like, he follows me. I was like, that's fucking cool. Uh, He's, I don't know. That's one of those things like Kirk, Kirk is like, oh, oh this guy knows what's up. Click. I, I, yeah. I'd like to think so. I mean, I've yeah. been collecting the one sheets. I'm looking down my hall here upstairs and there's about 12 of them here. Um, uh, I'd like to think I know what I'm talking about. And it's a really niche thing because not only is are they, you know, few and far between and, and pretty rare, some of them can be really pricey. And then also, let's be honest, man, framing these things is like half the battle too. Like I probably have like a five figures worth of just shit, not the art itself, but the frames, you know, like sometimes I've like the house on haunted hill thing i hung on to for years i was like i can't afford to frame this it's six feet tall right you know? so <laughs> a lot of it is is that but it was a nice little moment to re realize that that was a thing but yeah i mean kirk is sort of the, the you know top of the heap as far as stuff actually Corey taylor collects a little bit too mm. he and i found out after the fact as we're acquainted and or buddies or friends or whatever you want to call it uh, again bucket name and uh it turned out that he had outbid me on a creature from the Black Lagoon piece at one point that I was like, 
God, darn it. <laughs> and then of course now now I have it my own, you know. But I was like, we I was in one of his videos at a, at a certain point a couple years ago, and I was like, hey, you you still have that uh, creature three D sh- one sheet? And he was like, oh yeah. And I was like, I was bidding against you on that. And then we had a nerd chat about that. But I mean, I I, I could keep you for another hour just talking about this stuff. I mean, that's. Well, you know, we can I, do we can do a part uh-huh. two. Yeah, part we, two we should point. do another one do sometime. Part two down the road. We yeah, didn't yeah. even get into your uh, your dogs and your pit bull advocacy and that sort of thing. Um, I wanted to close real quick with a, a quick game of rapid fire. I'm going to ask you three quick questions. You just spit out an answer. No explanation needed. All right. Favorite Misfits Walk album. Walk Among Us. Favorite Danzig album. One. Favorite Sam Hain. Uh, I mean, there's really only two. Um, right. So you 50, 50 chance <laughs> today. It's November coming fire. All right. Fair enough. All right, man. Um, listen, we, we appreciate it so much. Tell us when we might expect the, uh, LA guns record black diamonds. Do we have a release date yet? Uh, I believe it's either April 14th or 15th. I can't remember the exact date, but it's that weekend, mid April, um, right. and, uh, dates to follow close to my birthday that'll be my birthday present man ace thank you so much for joining us today it was a great conversation i mean we could go on forever uh but we'll let you go and uh maybe we'll see you on the road uh when the new album comes out on behalf of my co-host jason mcmaster i'm metal dave along with our special guest today ace von johnson from la guns on the talk louder podcast thanks for having me guys